Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, back to bring you some more chills of terror with the creepy stories. Good evening, everybody. I'm so glad to be back to share some more stories. Tonight I'm going to share a few in honor of Valentine's Day. This Monday is Valentine's Day, so I thought, what perfect way to do this show than to have some scary love and Valentine tales. And that's just what I'm going to do. But first, let me invite you to my website, myhaunteddolls.com. Out there you'll find in my shop all of the books I've written, and you can purchase your autographed copy today. I have a special treat coming up because, as you know, I love telling stories, but I also love writing them. And I'm just finishing up a new book, a collection of short terror tales written by yours truly, originals by me. The name of the book is Dark Awakening and other tales for a midnight hour. So I'm hoping that will be available later next month, and it will be on my website, and also available out on any online retailer that sells books, just like the rest of my books. Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. You can find these on Kindle, and there are even a couple of these on audiobook. One of them, The Legends of Indian Narrows, is narrated by me, so be sure to check that one out. Also, if you haven't been to my YouTube channel yet, please go out there and check out my videos, My Haunted Dolls. You can find the link on my website on the links page, or just go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash My Haunted Dolls. That's C as in cat forward slash My Haunted Dolls. So now let's get down to some creepy Valentine's business. This first story is called, I Do. Dan's knees shook like leaves on a windy day. Focus, Dan, focus, he told himself, for it was Valentine's Day. Dan had never gotten over his fear of heights. He had just learned to control it by paying attention to the small details of his job. For the last several years, Dan had been a window washer, hanging off the side of some of the tallest buildings in town. Wet it down, Dan reminded himself. Now use the squidgie. But Dan's knees weren't shaking on this day, on this Valentine's Day, because he was hundreds of feet off the ground. He was shaking because he was excited. 
Linda worked on the top floor of this very building, and tonight, after work, he was going to ask Linda to marry him. As Dan was working on the floor below Linda's office, he reached into his pocket to look at the ring he had bought her. I hope she says yes, he said out loud. Suddenly, the ring slipped out of Dan's sweaty hand. It bounced off the scaffold he was standing on and landed on the ledge of the building. He tried to reach it, but his safety harness did not let him. There was only one thing to do. Dan removed the harness and stretched for the ring. Just as he grabbed it, a powerful gust of wind hit. The scaffold swayed violently. Dan lost his balance and fell over the side. Dan found himself hanging from the bottom of the platform by the fingers of his left hand. His feet danced below him, high above the busy street. Somehow, he was still squeezing his right fist around the ring. With his heart screaming in his ears, Dan quickly put the ring in his pocket and grabbed hold with both hands. Using all his strength, he pulled himself back onto the scaffold and into his harness. Whoa, that was close, Dan said, trying to catch his breath. But it's all good now. A few minutes later, Dan happily pounded on the window glass to get Linda's attention. She did not hear him, so he pounded harder. Again, she did not hear. He started hitting the window so hard, he thought the glass would break. Finally, Linda looked up from her work and came toward the window where Dan was waving now. A look of horror filled her face. She turned pale and crashed to the, to the floor. Linda, Dan screamed. Linda! Linda! Linda's best friend Barbara, who had heard the noise from next door, helped Linda up to a nearby chair. When she finally got Linda awake and calmed down, Barbara asked, It was Dan, wasn't it? Yes, Linda said through her sobbing. He he, he came back just like he always does each year on Valentine's Day. The same day Thirteen years ago, when he fell to his death.
Now, if that's not a creepy Valentine ditty to get us started off here, I don't know what is. <laughs> and now let's move on to another terrifying story that is related to Valentine's Day. And if you're an animal lover, you may, uh, well, who am I kidding? You probably won't like this, but please stick around and listen. This one is called Missing Cat. Five hundred dollars. Morgan kept repeating each word slowly. Five hundred dollars. He stood in front of the telephone pole staring at a flyer. The photo showed a long-haired white cat being held by an old woman with thick glasses. The generous reward was being offered for a Mr. Framboy. That's such a lame name for a cat, Morgan said to the poster. Well, Mr. Framboy, I'm going to find you anyway. Morgan saw a lot of cats that week, but not the one he was looking for. He felt the $500 slipping away. Valentine's Day was coming up and he could really use that money to buy an extra special gift for his girl. Then he got an idea. He would just paint one of those other cats to look like Mr. Framboy. <laughs> that stupid old woman is probably half blind. Morgan muttered. She won't be able to tell the difference. It did not take Morgan long to find a long-haired black cat that looked to be the right size. Then he bought some hair dye at the drugstore. Just hold still, Mr. Framboy, Morgan shouted. After some awful hissing and meowing and scratching, Morgan finally had his white cat. It wasn't perfect. A few black spots still showed here and there, but it was good enough to get the job done. So Morgan called the number on the flyer. I think I found your cat, he said into the telephone. Oh, that's wonderful, the old voice said. Can you bring him over after the sun goes down? Sure, Morgan said. No problem, ma'am. That evening, after sundown and when he finished dinner, Morgan put the white cat in a cardboard box and walked over to the house where the little old lady lived. He rang the doorbell. The old woman from the picture opened the door. Here's your cat, Morgan said cheerfully. Oh my, the woman said, opening the box. Mr. Framboy, 
There you are. I was beginning to think I would never see you again. Please come in, young man. The cat jumped out of the box and ran down the sidewalk. It was dark in the living room, the only light coming from a few candles nearby. Dust and cobwebs covered everything. The old woman brought Morgan some cookies and milk. These are actually pretty good, Morgan thought, finishing the last one. But this milk tastes awful nasty. That's because I put a little something in it to help you relax, the woman said without moving her lips, and to help get the blood flowing. Wait, what? Hey, how did you know what I was thinking? Morgan slurred, the room starting to spin around him. Where's my money, anyway? I I brought, brought back your cat. Oh, that's not my cat, the woman said. Oh, how could you tell, he asked, his tongue growing too thick to speak now. The only thought, thought, you only thought, thought him for a foot second. Oh, well, I don't have a cat, she said. Morgan tried to get up from the chair, but his legs suddenly did not work. He tried to scream, but could not find his voice. He was powerless now. The old woman came toward him. He could smell the death on her as she leaned in close. She then opened her mouth and her dentures dropped down into Morgan's lap. He saw the sharp fangs poke out from her pink-black gums. A second later, they dug deep into his neck, the warm blood flowing out into her mouth. As the life drained out of him, the last thing Morgan saw was the old woman changing, becoming younger and more beautiful with every life-giving drop, every precious drop. Wow, that kind of reminds me of Elizabeth Bathory, or otherwise known as Countess Dracula, who used to bathe in the blood of innocence to try to regain her youth. But that's another story. Let's get back to our Valentine tales, because I think, no, I know, I have time for one more. This next story, the last one, is a variation on an old legend, an old ghost from Mexico. In fact, there was a movie a few years ago that came out within the Conjuring universe all about this lovely yet scary, terrifying specter. The one by the name of, the same title of our story, La Llorona.
Stanley was swimming with Miguel, his best friend, down by the river. It was the eve of Valentine's, but surprisingly hot, and the water felt right as the sun started to go down at the end of the day. Suddenly, Miguel ran out of the water. Where are you going? Stanley asked. Gotta get home before La Llorona gets me, Miguel said. Say, is that the story about the crying woman who's always looking for her dead children? Stanley asked. It's no story, man, Miguel said, putting on his shoes. She's real. My uncle said he saw her, and the next day, he died. All right, whatever, Stanley replied, shaking his head in disbelief. See you at school tomorrow, Miguel. Miguel had once told him how the ghost of this tall, thin woman, dressed in white, would appear after dark. She would take kids who stayed out too late or who did not listen to their parents. Sometimes she would appear to people before they died. Stanley floated on his back, staring up at the sky as the gentle current carried him. He was not thinking about La Llorona. Instead, he was thinking about his favorite thing, money. He loved holding it and counting it, and he loved thinking of new ways of making it and spending it. The next day, he came up with an idea. There were a lot of Hispanic kids like Miguel at school. This was Valentine's, not Halloween, but still, any time of the year can be creepy. One hombre's scary story is another man's gold mine, he muttered to himself. He was not sure what he was looking for, but after visiting a few discount stores, he found it. It, it was a cheap plastic letter Y. He bought several dozen. When he got home, he tied a length of yarn to one of the letters. And that was it. All he had to do now was give it a name and convince people they needed one. Yoro Nabigona, he said. That's it, Yoro Nabigona. The next day before school, he paid some kids to start saying they had actually seen La Llorona. Say you saw her down by the river at night, he said. She was dressed in white and crying and almost got you. Tell the story in class during your share time and at recess and lunch. Act really scared like it's real. In the next few days, the story started spreading through the school like a zombie plague. Pretty soon, everyone was talking about La Llorona. A lot of kids were actually scared. Stanley's plan was working to perfection. The following Monday, he set up a little stand with his necklaces.
All you have to do is wear it and say Yoro Nabigona three times, and then she can't get you, he said in his best salesman voice. Only three dollars, and if it doesn't work, you get your money back. He sold them before and after school and during recess and lunch. By the end of the week, he had made $339, more than he'd ever made in his life. This ain't cool, man, Miguel said to him a few days later. My mom says you're playing with fire. You should not mess with things you don't understand. All I understand is that I'm making a real killing, Stanley said, patting the big wad of cash in his pocket. By the end of the month, it seemed that almost every kid in the school had bought the Yoro Nabigona necklace, and Stanley had made almost a thousand dollars. He could not believe it. He loved to hold it in his hand and wave it around. When his mom took his younger brother and sister out for a movie that night, Stanley stayed home. He counted and recounted his money. Then he took a bath. What is that day called, he said to himself, as he toyed around with the plastic duck one of his siblings left behind. Day of the Dead? Maybe I can do something like this for that holiday. I'm sure to sell more. Or maybe even Halloween when it comes up. Just then, Stanley thought he heard something outside the bathroom. It sounded like someone sobbing. And then, it was quiet again. An icy chill suddenly filled the room. Stanley shivered in the warm water. Suddenly, the lights went out. Mom, he called out. Mom, is that you? But he remembered he was alone in the house. He heard the crying again outside. And then... He saw her standing by the door. Her white dress glowed in the dark. Her dark hair hung down over her sad, ghostly face. She floated closer to the tub. Yoro Nabigona! Yono Rabigona! Yono Rabigoma! Stanley repeated as he held up his Y necklace. Eso no serve mi hijo, she moaned. It is too late for that, and it is too late for you. La Llorona was now right over Stanley. You're not real, you're not real, Stanley stuttered tears streaming from his bulging eyes. A bony hand pushed his head under the water. He tried to fight, but it was no use. 
Lyarona had won, and all he saw now was darkness. you enjoyed that tale. I've always been creeped out by the legend of La Llorona. I did not hear it when I was a kid. It was not until my high school years when I heard it, or maybe middle school, but it still creeped me out. So if you're out at night and you hear crying from behind you, you better run so La Llorona will not get you next. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Valentine's Day Chilling Stories. I hope to be back, in fact I will be back, before the end of this month of February to bring you some more tales of terror. Until then, stay safe, lock all your doors and windows, and have a happy haunting. (laughs) 